I'm Matt Gary Fisher, and this is the Burn From Within show. Each week, I interview inspiring people who have changed their career or life to light up inside. So if you want to get excited about your Mondays, work on meaningful projects, and have more time for the passions and people that matter to you, stay tuned. On this week's episode, I have Camilla Saker Dallarup, a former Strictly Come Dancing champion who completely reinvented herself to a new career and lifestyle, moving from the UK to LA with her husband Kevin in the process to completely reinvent themselves. This is a fascinating conversation about recognizing your ego in your career and life and having the discipline to let it go over time to be really who you truly are, not what is expected of you. We talk about the sacrifices needed during her career transition, accepting that you don't need anything and the huge implications this has on taking risks to pursue what you really want. The full show notes and videos of other interviews are available at burnfromwithin.com forward slash interviews. So listen all the way through and enjoy. Camilla is an international best-selling author of three books. It's not you, it's me. Reinvent Me, How to Transform Your Life and Career, and Dream, Believe, Succeed. Camilla was a champion professional dancer before becoming one of the original cast members of Strictly Come Dancing. Camilla won her sixth series, the 2008 series of Strictly Come Dancing with celebrity partner Tom Chambers, but then made a controversial decision to quit And this is where her reinvention really began. Camilla, welcome to the show. It's really great to have you here. (laughs) Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much. (laughs) Seems like a lifetime ago when you say those things about dancing. I'm like, oh yeah, I used to do that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a big Strictly fan uh, myself, as a lot of (laughs) listeners will be, of course. And I guess one of the kind of questions that comes up, because you chose to leave that that career, that lifestyle. Before we get into the, the reasons for that, what were some of the perks, would you say, being a, a celebrity and being in that world of Strictly Come Dancing? And after discussing them, why did you choose to walk away from them? <laughs> <laughs> the perks or whatever you want to call it, I think uh, what was so wonderfully fed in a situation like that or in any position where you you're doing a job where you feel like the job is your identity, your ego is fed right? So the ego was loving the lifestyle, right? The ego was loving the limelight. But who I really am at the core of my soul was just so empty. (laughs) It was just like wanting to have a chat or a dance, no pun intended, or maybe with my ego. Because honestly, I think my soul was so tired of my ego being in charge. And it, it was a weird one, actually, because first of all, I had spent almost my entire life becoming an expert at something, working really hard. I didn't have a normal childhood. I had a childhood where I had chosen um, a, a, to be an athlete, which meant getting up and training, even on the days you didn't feel like it. By choice, I, I had chosen like, that path because I was so eager to travel the world and dancing became the tool to do. I was so eager to connect with people and dancing became the, do, the tool to do. But that took me on such a massive path that I could have never ever imagine through competing and traveling the world we lectured and and competed in 36 countries i saw the world with my dancing and then ended up in this dream job on on strictly come dancing 
my ego was loving it. Part of me was also really enjoying it. It was very creative, right? But I, there I was connecting with people and then thinking, but now I have everything I thought I ever wanted, but I'm not connecting in the way that I want to. I don't even have time to actually have a conversation with the people that I'm meeting. What's happening? And so I have learned so much through my entire you know, time as an athlete that I use all of the tools today because really there's no difference being an athlete in sports or in business, really. I call them business athletes these days with all the things that are expected. But yeah, I found myself in a very lost place within actually before I decided to walk away. And anybody who's been in a similar situation where they've just woken up one day and been in a relationship or in a work situation where they've thought, I don't really want to do this anymore. Know what I mean. And I thought, I have to go figure out who I am. And actually Deepak Chopra uses these words with his children and did throughout their entire life by asking, who am I every single morning? I got to the point when I asked myself, who am I? Where I was like, I don't know who I am. Who am I? Don't know. <laughs> but I, re I, I knew one thing and that was that I really wanted to get to a point where I could say, who am I? And I could say, I'm content. Went on a mission to find out what that looked like to wake up in the morning and think, I'm okay, I'm content. Um, not because of the amount of trophies that I won or my name is in the paper or on the TV, but just because I'm true to me, my, I'm my authentic self. Wow, and, and what a journey you've had as well. And you talk about the ego and, and how difficult it was to, to separate yourself from it and, and actually discover who you truly are. Um, Can I just sure. add to that, actually? Yeah. Because when you say it like that, I think this is important for people to hear. Do you know, there's often people around you don't know what to do with that. When you leave something that you've been so, that's your identity, they know you as Matt the lawyer, Camilla the dancer, Sam the accountant, like they're good with that. Let's not rock the boat. So when you then say to your friends, I really think I'm just gonna, I, I need to leave this. It's not for me. They're like, that's crazy. Like, what are you doing? Well, how do we like refer to it? They're confused. <laughs> so you have that too. And then you really got to go, yeah, but I need to do this for me. So how do you know who you truly are? Like, because when you were on Strictly and you're having a, a great lifestyle, great in, in a lot of people's... So great, yeah. A lot of people's minds anyway, you, were, you felt unhappy and unfulfilled. And that was at, at some point, at some level... And that was a reason to start this journey and, and look and, and find out how to, how to be content with yourself, essentially. That journey of discovery, you're like now you're a, a life coach, a mindfulness coach, like you're med, you, you lead meditations all over the world. How did you discover who you truly are and, and what led you to that path? Because it's very different to maybe what, what you were doing on Strictly. So many words are flowing through my mind. We have this beautiful saying in Denmark, always remember to bring yourself along. And I think if in a sense of, I don't know if you get the meaning of that because it doesn't sound the same when I say it in English, but it's, I felt like part of me had not been brought along. Does that make sense? I'd always, I felt become this person where that's what was expected and, and that's what you do. And there was a part of duty, you do your job. And I was really good at turning up and doing my job. But my Camilla, like the person within had been so, my life had been so regimented and I felt I hadn't grown as a person on a soul level for what I needed. What is that I actually found interesting now at 35 compared to 25? Because of course that might not be the same. So in order to do, I needed to let go of all of those things for a little bit and, and go on an inward inside out journey rather than outside in. 
so much of my life had been based on the outside in. When you get that, you'll be happy. And that's why I love in NLP, we talk a lot about that. When I get that, I'll be happy. When I get that, I'll be happy. If that's the, if that's the uh, way you work, then you probably never be happy, right? Because we need to be happy here, right? In this moment. And then we can attract the things in that we want. And actually there was a sports psychology. I can't remember the book back in the day when I was a competitor and reading that sentence actually was a very important time in my life in my late twenties that kind of up leveled my, my kind of joy in life and, and, and my career from knowing that I have to be happy now, but I still didn't think that I had, a, I didn't have enough time to get to know myself because I was on this career path and I had it for a burnout of 35, just to give you an idea of how career driven I was. So it wasn't until the universe sent this wonderful burnout just after I'd left the show. So I could really sit in the uncomfortableness of, wow, everything I've ever cared about, everything that I loved, I'm empty and I don't really care so much right now. I need to figure out what do I care about now? And that's why I talk about in, in Reinvent Me, starting by nurturing the things that you actually, that the kind of lights the fire within. What do I, am I passionate about? Still, I knew that one thing I'm passionate about is helping others, is serving somehow in this world, is connecting to people. Just like yourself, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by people's stories. Everybody has a a story that will encourage or inspire someone else. So yeah, that was a big journey to go and find out in this kind of really lost year of my life. I was just searching for little things that, oh, this I'm still passionate about. This I find fun, but it took time. I'm not going to like brush over this. Oh, I left my career and then I found another because trust me, that's not how it felt. <laughs> yeah. Was it a case of following your curiosity because you talked about what what was missing in my life like how did you I guess take those steps to find out what was missing and was part of it curiosity was there something else was there a structured process was it like how did you go about that I've always had a, a love for any kind of books that talks about motivation and mind and so forth so I dived into that area and started looking for courses that I could take that would feed my soul. It was all about me receiving. I think also I was just depleted and tired from being the one giving. And I was just, I wanted to go back to school. Basically, I wanted to receive. And I had started a few years earlier when I was doing Strictly. I start, I'd actually signed up for, to study psychology um, at London University. But because the series took over and I, I got into the momentum with Strictly, I just put that aside. So I was so curious to study things that could feed my mind and just be, I was very curious, I still am still always learning. So I wanted to explore some of the tools that I had used to win in my career. I wanted to explore them to how I could use them to feel good inside out. And so that started with taking an NLP course and then the hypnotherapy and then there was mindfulness. And I started doing some motivational speaking, just sharing my story and hearing what people needed. And, and yeah, it, it was a journey, but I will say it's, there was a lot of fear too. I'd left behind a, a lucrative living. So I had to make changes in my life too, because it wasn't just like I had saved enough money to not earn money. So I would still have one foot in the dance world. I would still be doing some gigs there whilst that would pay for my training. So I just want people to know, it's not like I just went on this journey and could afford to pay for not to work or anything like that. Because I think when people look at you in magazines and stuff, they think, oh, that was easy for her. I think everybody goes on a journey, right? And there's step-by-step approach. One step at a time, I just simply started with, what's the first course that I feel um, interested in taking? And that was NLP actually, which I just thought was so practical and such a great foundation for everything I did after that. There were sacrifices. You made quite a lot of sacrifices and you talked about it in your book. 
you and your husband, Kevin, you both made sacrifices. You moved to LA. That was a big upheaval as well. Like it's not just a career change, a life change. Like, you know, your whole network was like, you had to meet lots of new people, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And again, I'm going back to my own curiosity now and about ego, like it was such, talking about ego, to leave that lifestyle and to have that title of strictly champion and you're in the press a lot and and suddenly you're in a situation where you're basically almost completely starting again. You talk about the term reinvent me, reinvent yourself. What's the significance of, of that term reinvent and why do you use that term in particular instead of life change career change and that kind of stuff because for me that's almost like a level of i'm changing my entire identity (laughs) it felt like it in the sense that i wasn't gonna be camilla the dancer i was gonna be camilla so reinvent or coming home either but i was reinventing how people were perceiving me and believe it or not that's quite a big deal too, because for so many years after I left Strictly Come Dancing, no matter what I'd done, even after writing my first book and moving to LA, people would still say, yeah, but are you coming back to dancing? It was like, they just like with one word, just like, just wiped away five years of work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they didn't, they, they just didn't suit sometimes their story that I was doing something differently because they liked me that in the dark. And I'm grateful for that. I, it was the most magical time of my life at, at, at the same time. It was just not what my soul was craving anymore because I was meant to do something else. I feel like what I do today, I can only describe as I've come home. And so when I came to LA, I did an exercise which was really on LA, I realized later. The most on Hollywood thing to do. When I went down and connected with the owner of Unplugged Meditation, where I've now been working for over six years, I went down there to write an article about the studio and I just never left. I told the owner, I can't leave. I'm home. I need to work here. This is the best. And for the entire year, I had promised myself I wouldn't talk about my past. I would be right in the moment. And I, it, was, it made me so happy a year later when somebody said, oh my goodness, is that your book, Camilla? I didn't even know you used to do, they call it Dancing with the Stars. I didn't know you were part of Strictly Come Dancing. And then some of the people that got to know me, they were like, yeah, she is. They were like, loved sharing it. But I was so proud of myself for just being Camilla that they would meet at the studio that they loved to meditate with or share whatever felt safe to share their story with or uh, work with me on stress or confidence. I just didn't, I didn't need the old identity. After that, I would say the reinventing of it actually for me means that I went through the kind of letting go of that and then bringing it all back to full circle. Does that make sense? Because then I realized that no, Camilla, be proud of your past. There's things that you have learned that you can now share because of what you've done and you work really hard for it. But I did go through a lot. It was like I had to almost lose it to have it again. And then I've built it all back in together now. And now I really own it. But for a time being, I needed to really get back in. I think I needed to get into my feminine energy. 
because I've been such an athlete. I was, in, I was in such a masculine energy for so many years of my life. It was like survival mode almost. Like my schedule was crazy. We would travel to Japan, we'll get in a car, we'll dance a competition, we'll get on the plane, we'll get to China, we'll dance. It was not really normal. <laughs> when I look back, I think, how, how did I do that? I'm a highly sensitive person. No wonder my immune system was always down at the time. So I was hard on my body, I was hard on myself, and I needed to nurture me as a person. So that's what reinventing means. It meant thinking about me in a new and fresh way. That's how I saw reinvention. How can I think about myself in a new and fresh way that's actually aligned with my soul? That is so fascinating that you, first of all, chose to not bring up your past in, in, into your new life, into this reinvention. First of all, choosing to do that, but second of all, having the discipline to... Pick that up for a year. That's pretty impressive. And and that really, again, that comes back to, for me, most people would want to feed their ego. And that actually is what keeps them in a career that they might not enjoy or might not fulfill them anymore. But how did you have the discipline and the, like, where did that come from? Because for, for me, and, and, and I think a lot of people, to be able to walk away from your previous job, for example, someone might have been working in banking, for example, for 30 years, but they didn't feel, they don't feel fulfilled anymore. And, and, and to walk away from that, not just from the lifestyle and people giving you compliments and all that kind of stuff, the financial side as well. And there's many different angles of it. How did you have that discipline to see that out and, and actually just be present on your new venture? I think uh, a few things. The ego one was a really big journey. And I, always, I, I talk about in the book that I went back to Strictly Come Dancing to work behind the scenes for a season to test my own ego. Because I thought you, if you really truly are in balance with your ego and you don't let it completely run your life, you should be able to be on either side and know that either side in front or behind the camera as a creative at the time um, is just as valuable. It's just sometimes we hype things up when people are on screen, but the talent, this, the show, Strictly Come Dancing, is only the show it is because of everybody's talent. From makeup to sound, like it literally is the top of the top of people that work on that show. Every single person is extraordinary. And I went back and did that. That was just before we moved to LA. And I, I actually loved it. Like I had so much fun and I got to work with a creative um, person on there who I admire, have admired my entire life from the dance world called Jason um, Gilkinson, and it was magical in different ways. And I didn't mind. And I thought, it's okay. I'm, I've made peace with this now. I don't need this limelight to feed my soul. That doesn't mean that we don't want to achieve things, by the way. There was time through this, and I really want to talk about this because I think sometimes when we go on a spiritual journey, call it breakdown, call it stress, call it burnout, whatever it is that we have that kind of break in life, we can lose our drive. And sometimes that's actually really scary for someone who's hugely driven. And I lost my drive for about a year. I had zero drive and I literally didn't recognize myself. But I realized now that I needed to because my soul needed something different. I needed to strip away all of that stuff that just wasn't really who I am. They needed uh, lots of things. Somebody said to me recently, what is the like, most profound thing that's come out of this entire journey? Because we're constantly on a journey around in life. But for me in this moment, and what meditation has brought me to and all of the things that I've studied is that I don't need anything. And if you asked me that 15 years ago, <laughs> I would have never told you that, right? Because we think we need so many things, but 
I don't need anything. I am, I'm grateful to be of service in this world. And I, and when you said, when I was trying to think back to that time, it became about the client and not me. It became about when I would listen to people and what they needed when I connected to them at Unplug Meditation, for example, I realized that it really wasn't helpful to them what I'd done before. This very moment, what was vital was what we were going to do now. Does that make sense? So it was easy because I had to be present. I was like, that's not helpful for me to tell them we're living now. Yes, later on, I think people and a lot of my clients appreciate actually because they tell me that they feel that they work with a coach who walks the walk, who's not scared of putting themselves out there and sometimes failing, sometimes winning. But when I'm with the client present, it's not about me ever, ever. And in fact, the person who opened up my sort of launch for It's Not You, It's Me, she's a very successful actress. And she said these words, she says the beautiful, and, and they really, I'm so grateful for these words. And she said in her talk to the audience that day, the beautiful thing about Camilla is that her work is never about her when you're coached by Camilla. And I couldn't, honestly, that for me was the most amazing, that was like winning a trophy. That was like the best trophy of those words, because it isn't about me. It's about holding space, like you're holding space right now. That's really what it became about. Obviously, I had to find a way to balance feminine and masculine energy because in the world, we sometimes, when we do business too, we, we got to be able to step into one or the other. But when I'm working with clients, it is absolutely zero about me and all about them. And so in that point, you are just holding space. Yeah. One thing that kind of comes to mind when you say that, First of all, there's this element of being content with potentially with less than what you had before, less money, less admiration, less fame and all of those kind of things in order to have that reinvention and be able to be the, your true self, be you. And, mm -hmm. and then the, the, the second part of it is to actually fully serve others. So it's like dump it, dumping the ego, getting rid of the ego and, and serve like contributing to, to, to others in society. How did you, how did you do that? Being content with having less? Is that something that you had, like you'd had experience with before? One of the kind of analogies yeah, 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 I have. Yeah. One I've of been the, there. Yeah. Well, I mean, a common analogy that, that I yeah. speak to with clients and, and, and just in general is, some people were happier as a student with, you know, huge amounts of debt living in a, a dormitory than, than they might be in their kind of current career earning a few hundred thousand dollars a year. Where did that belief come from that you could be more content with, with having less? Because that's not like a common thing. And that's not to say that you won't go through ups and downs and have same or more again, by the way. But I call it coming back to square one. So basically, I, well, I grew up with two parents who were both self-employed, who had their own businesses. And of course, like anybody who owns a business, you're gonna, there's gonna be ups and downs. So I saw it firsthand, how my parents would navigate um, through those times and how brilliant they would be at still being able to support my sister and I. And still, no matter what was going on in their lives in work, there was love and joy and, and a unity as a family. Like we just had each other's back. There was teamwork always. And I, I actually said that, I've said that to my mom and dad a lot of times. One of the most amazing things they gave my sister and I was just to know that no matter where we went in the world, no matter what we did, we knew that no matter how much they had and didn't have, right? 
at any time, there was a roof over our heads and food on the table. And that, that I feel emotional even saying that, but that is like the biggest gift you can give somebody. Because I said to my dad, I said, before he passed away, I said, you gave me like freedom to fly because I knew if I really messed up, I will never go hungry. I could come home. And I realized there are some people that don't have that, but I also know that there are good people in the world and people find that in friends and like they create their own families in the world. Sometimes you can be that for someone else just to know there's a bed and there's food. And I think... I remember my husband and I working so incredibly hard to buy our first home together and sitting in our living room being like, wait, we've got our first house and the garden, this is amazing. And then inside, I just felt, oh my God, but it's in the wrong country. It's in the wrong place. This is not the place we're going to be. And I was like, how can this be now? Like we worked so hard and here we are. And now this is not it. And, and we actually agreed if we'd unpacked, we were touring at the time doing a theater play together. If we'd unpacked back then, I don't think we would have ever moved. So we did a really crazy thing. We decided not to unpack and we moved in with my husband's parents in the spare room for a few months or more, maybe even six months to save, to apply for our visas for, for the US. And we actually rented our house out. And I remember friends of ours saying, oh my goodness, we could never do that. As, and what they meant by that sentence was they could, but they didn't want the discomfort of having to move back to their parents at 35 or 36 for six months. They wanted to live in their home and have the garden while still saving for their dream. And when you come back to, I want to touch on that, when you say that people could say that they were happier when they were having like the, that they were studying and having the student dream or whatever, or, and having the dream of their career. I think that maybe sometimes we're happier in those situations because what we do have at the time is that we still have the dream. I remember, and I talk about this in Dream, Believe, Succeed. Dream, Believe, Succeed is my first book reinvented, if I may use the word again. Strictly come down, strictly inspirational was, the, was what it was called and I've added to it and it's now called Dream, Believe, Succeed. But I talk in there about a time in my life where we really didn't have much money. It was, do we eat dinner when we were competing or do we, have, do we go to practice? Because it was like six pounds or whatever to go to practice and we just didn't have the money. Like we, we couldn't afford supporting our careers at the time. And we had many meals which were like just baked beans on toast, which I never ate until I moved to the UK. I didn't even know about baked beans on toast, but I quite like it now. But that was like our meal. We sacrificed so much. We lived, I remember we just, we didn't have any furniture in our apartment. My, my dance partner at the time built our furniture. But you know what? We still laughed because we were sharing something very important, which was a dream. And we were reading all of the motivational books and we had somehow hope and faith still. And what I really truly believed, and I think those are the most important kind of principles, was that I truly believed that in order to get what I really wanted, I needed to already vibrate within. Like my frequency and vibration needed to be one of hope and faith and joy to attract that. I knew that if I was in despair and feeling like really annoyed that I used to have furniture in my apartment, now I had like home-built furniture and I was living on baked beans on toast and I used to eat whatever and drive a nice car. So it wasn't the first time around for me when I did this. Does that make sense? I was okay because I did remember, we still laughed. We still had so much fun. Yes, they were really tough days too, where we were like, should we just give up and, and never let, you know, this will never happen. And in my book, I, I, there's a poem called Don't Quit. I used to read that poem every single day. I think it's called actually, maybe some put, call it the climb or whatever, but 
So when I when we went around and did this sort of I call it the second time around, I was just like, let's make an adventure. Let's go live in a small apartment in LA where we know nobody except one friend. One friend is all we needed. Let's celebrate that. He's still in our lives to this day. And so, you know, we look back at those times and, and, and we were like said in our small apartment going, how did this happen? We just bought our nice home and now here we are. But we've built everything together. We're a team, my husband and I, because of that. We've taken chances and I can't even believe we've been here seven years and we've both built up businesses from scratch. And it's been hard at times. There's been moments where we're like, what are we doing? But it's also just been such a great adventure i would not swap it for anything in the world when i try and unpack the the structure <laughs> of what you just said it's also uh, useful and interesting and one element there's being comfortable with having less because if you hit almost rock bottom you've still got still got food and you've still got shelter and actually a lot of people in the western world certainly in europe have that that they might have kind of social security benefits or yeah. might be able to go back to their parents and just being comfortable with the simplicities of life, it gives you that opportunity to take risks and to actually follow your curiosity, have an adventure in life and see what happens. Be able to fall flat on your face if you need to, but get up again. And it's interesting, you went through this whole journey with your husband, Kevin, and obviously he's, he's been a huge support in and you've been a huge support to his journey as well. He reinvented as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I have to say that one I didn't see coming because we moved to Hollywood so he could act, right? He was an actor. So when we finally arrived here, he sits me down six months into our journey and goes, you know what, since we're here now, I'm not sure I'm into this acting. And I literally went, wow. are you saying we're two people reinventing ourselves right now? I don't know if I can comprehend that. But we did. We both did. So you, you coach clients um, and help people. You've gone through this journey yourself and, and you've, in your books, you have lots of practical exercises that really actually help people reinvent themselves, help them change careers or find out like who they really are. Even if, you know, how, how to manage a, a house move or, or even a move internationally like you've done. You also help people with relationship issues if they, if, potentially maybe they're not in the right relationship the, i guess the common connector with all of that is big life change big life change if it, it, it can affect people accidentally or you can take control of it and be conscious of it and actually make decisions to make it happen mm. what do you think are some of the common challenges you found both in your own personal life or from the the clients that you coach in managing big life changes are there commonalities between going through relationship breakups and new relationships moving house and countries changing career are there commonalities in all of those mm -hmm. situations totally I, I i think they all come down to really simple things what are our beliefs about ourselves if we're in despair or hopelessness why is it worthiness is in, are we not loving ourselves? I definitely, I, I've written a whole course about self-love because I realized that in order to receive or attract into my life, the kind of relationship I really wanted in my life, I need to start loving myself. It's absurd that we are expecting other people to love us more than we're loving ourselves. That's back to front upside down. 
<laughs> we don't grow up really seeing that principle of, hey, le love yourself first. Do we see all of these like happy fairy tale films where somebody comes and provides the love for you, <laughs> right? Oh, then you're happy. No, find the love for yourself. Then you'll be happy and then you, everything else will fall into place. Anything, if you're feeling powerless, go and go within, whether that's through hypnosis, meditation, or reading some of these, all of these books out there, where you can really ask yourself, if I feel unworthy or unlovable or, or, or feel deep fear about taking chances in life, why? Is it because I, I don't feel worthy of the success? If I'm fearful that I might gain it and lose it, where's that coming from? Where's that belief coming from? Is it even yours? I spend so much of my time in my career now helping others rewrite their story. That's part of reinvention, right? Because if we grow up with, with parents that have limited beliefs around money or this is your lot, just accept that don't, don't, be too, don't shine too brightly. You make other people feel uncomfortable. That's a big one, isn't it? You're not going to go and go, here I am. I'm going to take over the world. If you have that belief in your mind, so you need to work on that and go, no, I'm going to shine my, my light because if I shine my light, I'm showing you, you can shine your light and you can shine your light. You came here to do so. This whole sort of playing it small in many societies, we do that. Oh no, don't be too much. All of these sayings that we've listened to as children have gone into our subconscious mind. And this is why I'm so passionate about the subconscious and, and diving into the subconscious because the subconscious mind as runs our lives 95% of the time. What is absurd again is that we are updating our software on our computer all the time without asking, by the way, do I need this update? Just click, done. Of course you do. Why aren't we doing that in our subconscious? Why aren't we going, why am I still feeling unworthy of this? Why am I doubting that I am lovable? Where is this coming from? Let me just go within and update this software because hello, everybody in this world deserves to feel loved. Everybody is worthy. Everybody is enough. That's how we're born. It's not like we're born going, you're enough, you're not enough, you're loved, you're not. Like, come on. But we go on all these journeys and then suddenly we feel unloved. That's very valid when we find ourselves in those situations because of the conditioning that's happened, because of the language and trauma and whatever has happened. But we can come home to that. And so anything you're trying to attract on the outside of yourself, your mind is powerful beyond beliefs, but you got to go and, and, and rewire in here, reprogram, rewrite the story. Yeah. I love that saying where it's like, what thinking took you to this point and what thinking do you need to take you to the next point? Completely. And you talk about going within and I guess for people that don't know how to do that, like what kind of habits, routines, daily activities do you do that allows you to go within and actually allows you to really connect with yourself? You talk in your book and you have great exercises and also guided meditation audios as well on your website around meditation, affirmations and visualizations. Are there, are there any kind of, is there any kind of one like routine or habit that you would recommend to connect with yourself and go within it? Or is it a, a, a kind of combination that works for you and your clients? Like what would you recommend? So first of all, it's simply committing, right? It's so obvious. If you say, oh, I'm going to run a marathon in six months or 12 months, what do I need to do from now till then to make that happen? Physically, we're totally cool with that. We get it, right? We know if we're going to go and run that marathon and we don't train, it's going to really hurt. 
the brain is the same, the mind is the same. So why are we so reluctant? We, we're doers, we don't like to sit still. But I realized, and I really didn't like to sit still either. I could only sit for three minutes. So I'm just gonna be honest. My mantra when I first started meditating was, I am so bored, when is this finished? I couldn't get the words out of my head. All I thought about every time I closed my eyes was how bored I was. And then my friend at the time went, why don't you just try saying I'm so calm instead of I'm so bored, it might help. I was like, that's a great idea. The irony that I now teach other people to sit still, it's obviously funny because literally used to set my alarm for three minutes just to make sure I wouldn't sit for four because that would be too much. So I think it's accepting that our brains are and our minds are powerful. We have to take charge and to take charge means training. That's the boring part, right? Because we, we don't really want to do it, but it's, you're going to run that marathon. So if you're trying to change your career or change something outside of yourself, you've got to get into training. You've got to get disciplined. Being disciplined as an athlete, for example, means showing up even the days you don't want to. So you put it in on your schedule every morning or every night before you sleep and it become like a non-negotiable. I don't know how people do meditation, let alone the pandemic, by the way, sorry, do life or the pandemic or any other challenging things in their life without it. You, you get in charge of your mind. And so I would say try 10 different meditations. Any, pick any of the ones you can on any of the apps that are free, like Insight Time or whatever. Pick 10 different ones over 10 days. They're like, just pick a five minute one. I have a whole, there's a 21 day free one on my website even. Try the different ones and pick one. Pick the one that you think this one works for me. It can be words. It can be breath. Breath is really a powerful way to start by just counting your breath. You can literally just breathe in for four, hold the breath four, exhale four and hold four. Do that for three minutes. You're meditating. Anybody can do that. And by the way, this that's called the square breathing in, in mindfulness. And that helps you relax your nervous system immediately. So it's a powerful one to have. Pick one that works for you and then just do the same one for the next 30 days. Do not expect anything when you meditate. Thoughts are gonna come and go, that's fine. We have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day, they're gonna come and go, invite them in. Oh, wow, I'm thinking, back to one focus. Oh, wow, I'm thinking, back to one focus. I'm annoyed, back to one focus. That's all we keep doing, we keep coming back to one thing. We're not gonna switch off the thoughts, we're gonna welcome them in. They're part of your practice. Get serious about your training your brain. I can only think meditation for me is really just one of those things that, that has helped me do that, that has helped me navigate through so many things, whether it's been grief or burnout or just financial worries, whatever it is, it becomes a thing you can lean on, a tool that you can come back to. And as you do it over and over again, it will start to benefit you, not just when you're sitting. It really doesn't matter if it's relaxing or busy when you're sitting meditating. What matters is how it serves you outside of there. You become less reactive. You start to being able to have a, a, a new awareness. You'll notice yourself acting in a way where you're like, huh, am I going to do it like a little bit differently? You start to observe things differently. Do you meditate? I don't do it regularly. I do, I, I do it from time to time. And that's actually... I fully am aware of the exponential benefits of doing it regularly, of doing it every day. I actually threw myself into the deep end and did a Vipassana 10 day silent retreat, like pure meditation from almost zero kind of meditating How before. Was that? And that was, that really was being thrown in at the deep end. It was, I absolutely loved the experience and I, I was probably the happiest I've been for, for a long time, for months, literally months afterwards. And even just that experience, I, I, found, I felt the benefits of meditating, but 
it's just getting into that routine and that practice. And yeah, that's something I need to work on for sure. Uh, I afford mentally yeah. for my own mental health. I can't afford not to. I really can't. Yeah. It, it just doesn't feel good. Nothing mm-hmm. feels good, really. It's too crazy, too busy yeah. in my brain if I don't. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll, that that you've challenged me actually now to. to I'll send um, you the free twenty one days. How about that? Please, yeah. <laughs> get started. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Thank you. Before I ask my last question, Camilla, where can people find you, connect with you, and, and learn more about what you do? Yeah, on my website zenme.tv, and I'm on Inside Timer. It's a free app where you can meditate with me. Unplug Meditation app, and of course on social media at Camilla Dalarop. Drop me a line if there's anything I can support you on. Awesome. And we'll leave all of the, those links uh, in the show notes for this show. Camilla, my last question. I definitely see you as someone that lives with passion in what you do, with, certainly with purpose, and actually have a balance in life to spend time with the people that you love and work, working on your work and your passions and, and your hobbies. Uh, so those three things I call living with passion, purpose and balance is for me to burn from within. What do you think has been the one thing, Camilla, that's made the biggest difference for you to burn from within in life? To follow my calling when it like to follow that feeling. When we have discomfort, basically, we think that when we feel uncomfortable and when we feel burned out and sad, and it can come out in all sorts of ways, panic attacks, depression, also where we really feel all of that discomfort in life. Sometimes it's also coming to say, hey, are you listening? Because you've been ignoring every sign I've given you, the body and the mind to slow down or to try something that's more aligned with you. The biggest thing was to no matter the cost on the money side of things, I, to, to listen to what my heart really wanted and not to think about how difficult that was going to be or how that was going to look. Because I actually had absolutely no idea, by the way, no idea to just go. I need to follow this feeling. There's some there's a discomfort here and it's not going away. There is something that I need to go and explore about myself it's guiding me towards a different way, a new way. And so that was the most important thing because it led me home, like home to me. No matter, by the way, what I'm doing in life, I want to be very clear on that. I could change maybe my profession or I could change things, but ultimately I feel home because I'm home within. The fact that I do, am doing a job I love is like amazing, but it's secondary to it actually led me home within myself. That is a content feeling. That was, that's a, a piece that, that, that will follow you in whatever you do in life. We go chase our dreams as if our dreams are outside of ourselves. But really, it's a sort of amazing state that we can be in when we're at peace. It comes from within. Yeah, and that kind of transformation and reinvention that you've had, uh, you, you talk in your book about, I'm Camilla, I'm the dancer. And now the, that identity statement is I'm Camilla and I'm content. I'm happy. And that is having that as a goal and and your identity and and actually everything else comes after that. And and that's the kind of central crux of the, of, of your reinvention story of your change and, and really an inspirational one as well that gives people hope that you really can 
first of all, listen to, to yourself, listen to maybe the pains and the doubts and the, the anxieties and the insecurities you might have if you are not fulfilled or, or happy right now and examine yourself and become self-aware. And with some of the exercises in, in books like yours and doing meditation and practices and having the right support, you can get there. So Camilla, it's been a, an absolute joy to interview you and let's keep connected. And thank you so yeah. much. Thank you for all that you do as well in sharing this. And yeah, just dive in. If you're listening, dive in. If you feel called to step one step in that different direction to find out what lights me up. Perfect. Thank you, Camilla. What an inspiration Camilla is. I took up Camilla's 21 day meditation experience challenge. I'm currently doing it and absolutely loving it. So I'll include the link to that for you for free in the show notes. And I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. If you did, go right ahead and leave a review for this podcast by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash burn from within. That's ratethispodcast.com forward slash burn from within. And stay updated with more inspiring interviews by hitting the subscribe or follow button now on your player for this podcast. Until next time, live with passion, purpose and balance. Done from within. <laughs>